Today we're considering, it's a timely reminder for the scoffers, a timely reminder for the scoffers. We're looking at 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 5 through to 7. We'll have a look at those few verses again. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. And the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Last week in our considerations of false teachers within the churches, we looked at those who pour scorn on the doctrine of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was pointed out that mocking and scoffing has always been the practice of sinful men. It's nothing new. For example, in the Old Testament times, about 600 years before the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, the prophet Jeremiah said, Behold, they say unto me, Where is the word of the Lord? Let it come now. In other words, way back then, Jews were saying to the prophet, where is all the judgment that you keep going on about? And at the place where Jesus was crucified, all sorts of people from the greatest to the least in Jewish society, including the two thieves who were crucified with the Lord Jesus, they scoffed and they reviled him. In today's passage... The selective memory of the scoffers who deny the second coming of Jesus is dealt with by the Apostle Peter. Looking again at verses 5 and 6 in 2 Peter chapter 3. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. In the Apostle Paul's epistle to the Galatians, he called the Galatian Christians foolish because they had been beguiled by the Judaizers, in other words, by people who came from Jerusalem and taught them that it was necessary to... Uh, adopt Jewish dietary laws and to observe various holy days as well as believing the gospel. They had to do all of those things as well. As such, those false teachers contaminated the gospel of Christ which teaches that salvation from sin is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. By adding works of the law, those false teachers nullified God's grace and brought damnation upon themselves. If you keep in mind that the false teachers in the early church that Peter was warning of were from a Jewish background, those uh, those early false teachers, people would have been well. They were people who would have been well grounded in the Old Testament scriptures, 
including the first chapter of the book of Genesis, those false teachers who, who infiltrated the churches, they would have known Genesis chapter 1, which gives details about the six days of creation. And in that account in Genesis chapter 1, there is much to be said about water. For example, in the first ten verses of Genesis chapter 1, it is written, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. A lot of water there, isn't there? And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. I haven't counted it, but there's, I, I seem to have been saying waters quite a lot in that passage. It's clear in those verses that when God created the heavens and the earth, there was water under the earth, above the earth, that the earth appeared out of the water, It was surrounded by water. In other words, right from the beginning, there was a lot of water, an abundance of water. As such, the means by which the Lord judged the world in Noah's time, water, which Peter mentioned three times in verses 5 and 6 of 2 Peter chapter 3, our passage today mentions water three times was already in place. It was already in place right from the time of creation. Right from the time when God created the heaven and the earth. And that water was used when God judged the earth in Noah's time. But why mention creation and the flood? Peter's talking about scoffers who would come into the church. They would deny the Lord Jesus Christ. They would deny his lordship. Why mention all this water and the flood? Because the flood in Noah's time was not only possible, it was not only possible with all the water that was already in place when God created the heaven and the earth, it was a reality that is recorded in the Old Testament scriptures. It is undeniable, and the point is that the flood was God's judgment upon a wicked world and all but Noah and his family perished in the water. It really happened. 
We have it on record in our Bibles. We've already seen it to be the case in chapter 2 of this epistle and verse 5 where Peter said that God spared not the old world but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. And somehow Peter is drawing a connection here between creation, between the flood and between what it all points to, the second coming of Jesus in judgment. I, for one, often refer to the flood in Noah's time when I'm talking to people or debating about, debating with them about when Jesus will come again in judgment. It seems quite normal for me, natural for me, to, to refer to the flood and others as well that I talk to. And uh, we can see the big signposts, the big arrow pointing from the flood to when Jesus comes again. And so could Peter see that connection. And that is because the flood points to the day of judgment. But amazingly, the false teachers chose not to see that connection. They chose not to see it. They were willingly ignorant. Look at verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto the fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Verse 7 tells us that the word that created the heavens and the earth now preserves them. The word that made the heavens and the earth now preserves the heavens and the earth. At least it does for the time being. Evolutionists can't explain how the particles that supposedly caused a big bang came into being. They've got all this there. I, you know, years ago, I probably mentioned all this before, some years ago, I sat there listening to the radio and they'd synthesised the sound of the big bang, trying to tell me and every, every other idiot who was listening into that programme This is what the Big Bang would have sounded like. So they've invented something, a big lie, and then they've gone on to say what it sounded like. This is how determined they are to push a lie. They've got the nice pictures of it, haven't they? The pictures of the Big Bang, and now they've got the sound that it made. Something that is a big lie. Not a Big Bang, it's a big lie. Bible-believing Christians don't have such problems. We don't have to talk about big bangs and things like that. Christians reject the big bang and reject evolution. For them, the creator God spoke and it was done. I say for Christians, at least for Bible-believing Christians, they reject the big bang and they hold to the truth of Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth. But as for the word of God making and upholding everything, we read in Psalm Psalm 33 verse 6, By the word of the Lord 
were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. That makes a lot more sense already, doesn't it? Instead of a big bang, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Yeah, it makes sense to me. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God spoke. Let there be light. And there was light. That makes so much more sense than a big bang. And what's more, it's biblical. In the New Testament, we see a man by the name of Lazarus, who had been dead for four days, and whose body was beginning to decompose. Even so, he rose from the dead at the word of the Lord Jesus Christ when the incarnate Son of God said to him, Lazarus, come forth. And he rose from the dead. And then there was that time when Jesus and his disciples were in a ship and a big, a great storm arose. It must have been really bad when you consider that most of the disciples on that boat with Jesus were fishermen and yet those fishermen were scared they were afraid that they would drown what did Jesus do he spoke he rebuked the wind and said unto the seas peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great calm As such, Jesus spoke and his word was sufficient. Coming back to creation, clearly that is a work of the triune God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. However, in several places in the New Testament, the work of creation is ascribed to the second person of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a reminder to us that Jesus is the eternal Son of God. For example, in John chapter 1 and verse 3, it is written that all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. And then there's Hebrews chapter 1 verse 10 where the writer of that epistle was quoting from the Psalms when he said of Jesus, Thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. Poetic language from the Psalms, that the heavens are the heavens are the work of thine hands. This is long before Jesus was made flesh. But we're told very clearly in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 10 that the Lord Jesus Christ is the creator of heaven and earth. The beginning was about 4,000 years before the Son of God became flesh. That's about the time that God created the heavens and the earth, including time itself. As such, by saying,
The heavens are the work of thy hands. Thou hast laid the foundations of the earth. The writer to the Hebrews was pointing back to creation to where the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was at work, speaking everything into existence. What is clear is that Jesus is the creator God and furthermore, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 tells us that he upholds all things by the word of his power. He upholds, he sustains all things by the word of his power. Therefore, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was nailed to a wooden cross as a sacrifice for sin, for all who trust in him, he sustains everything by the utterance of his omnipotence. And that brings us back to 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 7, where it is written, But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. The heavens and the earth were created when God spoke, and now everything is upheld by the word of his power until that final day of judgment when God will judge all who had who all who have ever lived there will not be a flood of water but there will be fire plenty of it and enough to burn and dissolve this present world also there will be the unquenchable fire of hell which John the Baptist referred to when he spoke about Jesus building his church and he spoke about the final judgment John said whose fan is in his hand and he will truly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner that is born again Christians trusting in him he will gather them up into his garner, into his storehouse, into heaven itself. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Not just with fire, but with unquenchable fire. Again, that's a lot of fire. Just as we've been looking at a lot of water, it's a lot of fire that is unquenchable, that burns forever and ever. For those of you who would prefer to think that when you're dead, you're dead, and I've met a few of them about, they think it's just annihilation. You die and that's the end of it. Well, forget it. Hellfire is real and it is unquenchable. In other words, it will never, ever go out. You've got to think to yourself, why is that? Why are we told that the fire of hell is unquenchable. On the day of judgment, the righteous judge, the Lord Jesus Christ, will say to all the ungodly, in other words, all who do not, who do not belong to him, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Everlasting fire. In other words, 
It's burning forever because the people are being punished forever. Otherwise, there'd be no need for it to be unquenchable. It's everlasting punishment for sins against Almighty God. And a sure way to go to that fire is to reject Jesus, the one who suffered in the place of sinners at the cross. As we come to a close, we can summarise what we've been considering. The false teachers that Peter warned of were people who walked after their own lusts, their own sinful desires. They were willingly ignorant of creation. I can think of people, as I'm reading my own notes here, I can think of very high-profile Christians who reject creation. You have to wonder why. You have to wonder why they, they do not take creation as it is given to us. In Genesis chapter 1, for what it is, in the beginning God created. Day 1, day 2, day 3, and so on. Why do they still reject it? And embrace what they call theistic evolution. Whereby apparently, God is the one who is in charge of evolution. It undermines the Bible once you start doing that. And ultimately, it casts the doubt on not just creation, but the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel and the fact that he is coming again. Once you start undermining little bits of the Bible, you may as well throw your Bible in the bin. But you would have to wonder why these people do that. And I think in their own way, the answer has to be that they are the people that Peter has been talking about. People who despise the Lordship of Jesus. A Jesus who is coming again in judgment. These are people who, interestingly, do not preach repentance for sin. We have to be very careful. Peter didn't pull any punches in this passage, just as I hope I'm not pulling any punches this morning here. It's a very serious matter. Jesus is coming again in judgment. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store. That omnipotence, that word of omnipotence, the Lord Jesus Christ, who sustains everything, is coming again. And everything is kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. 
The false teachers are willing the ignorant of creation and also the flood in Noah's time. It's not difficult to see why at all. They were heretics who by their heresies were bringing damnation upon themselves. Therefore, since both creation and the flood point to that day of judgment and everlasting fire, it's hardly surprising that they forgot such things. And they scoffed at the second coming of Jesus. There is a clear application for people nowadays, whether they be false teachers or anyone else for that matter. And that includes people in the church. In order to reject Jesus and live out their sinful lives without concerning themselves with judgment and punishment in everlasting fire, they simply forget or they reject creation, and they hold to those evolutionary lies, those evil evolutionary lies, and ultimately they say that there is no God. That's what they're doing in a sense. By denying creation, or at least they're taking the creator out of creator God. They They do that despite the fact that the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork. And despite the fact that the invisible things of God from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and his Godhead. We just have to look around us, look at each other. And all that we see bears testimony to the handiwork of Almighty God. It's as simple as that. They're without excuse. God created the heaven and the earth. God has already judged the world in Noah's time when all but Noah and his family perished in a flood of water. And that judgment points to a final day of judgment when God will judge all who have ever lived. And he will do so by his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We heard the reading from Matthew chapter 25, when the king comes and sits upon his throne and the nations are brought before him. And to some he will say, ye that are blessed by my father, receive the inheritance prepared for you from the creation of the world a heavenly inheritance for some and to others he will say depart from me ye that are cursed into everlasting fire this is Jesus speaking or at least it will be when he comes again in finishing I want to turn to John chapter 5 and as I read the passage I'll make a few comments John chapter 5 Reading from verse 24, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ here, John chapter 5 verse 24, and he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me have everlasting life. You already have it, not you will have it. You have everlasting life if you hear the voice of Jesus. And he is your shepherd and you follow him as your saviour 
from sin. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. There is no condemnation for you. You who already have everlasting life because you are trusting in Jesus. No condemnation. Verse 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is. So now is, we're talking about present and future, but for us, it's present tense here. The hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of Man and they that hear shall live. That's speaking about now, today. People, dead people, hearing the voice of the Son of God and they that that hear shall live. People being born again. People being quickened by the Holy Spirit. People who were dead in trespasses and sins being raised up right now in this world and uh, people being raised up and believing in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins for, verse 26 and as for as the father have life in himself so have he given to the son to have life in himself Jesus the one who says I am the resurrection and the life Verse 27, and have given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Jesus, the Son of Man, who will sit upon his throne of judgment when he comes again. Verse 28, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming. We haven't got the now is. The hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. This is now looking ahead to that final day. All that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. You've got to think to yourself, how do I do good here? Or at least in God's, uh, as far as God is concerned. How can I ever do good before a holy and righteous God. Whatever you do has to be done in the Lord Jesus Christ because your acceptance before God can only ever be in his beloved Son as someone washed in the blood of Christ and clothed in his righteousness. Trusting in Jesus and then looking to God to enable you each and every day to do that which is pleasing in his sight as his child. That's how you do good. Trusting in Jesus and his finished work of of redemption. So there you have it there. It speaks about the judgment to come. The hour is coming when Jesus will judge the world. But also the hour is coming and now is when people are being raised up to life and faith in Jesus. And you'll know that if that's you, you will know, you you cannot pray that you will be raised up to life because if you're dead in sins, you're dead in sins. That's the end of it. But are you someone who at least desires to do that which is pleasing to God? Having trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins.
Because if that is you, and you only you can answer that one, if that is you, then you have everlasting life, and you shall not come unto condemnation, but have passed from death unto life. And may God give you the grace and the enabling to live your life for his glory. In Jesus' name, amen.